Well, good morning, Christ Church. Let's stand and worship our King. Amen. Amen.
guys may be seated. Welcome to Christ Church, and uh, we have started a season of prayer. Started last week, and I hope and pray that God is beginning to give us a deeper desire and a greater urgency for um, the discipline of prayer and the need of prayer in our lives. And that's just kind of really what we're going to be building on over the next several months as we look into. Uh, the October, September, October, and even into the first week in November, which is a pivotal time, I believe, in our nation's um, for the for our nation's future. Uh, just to be honest, either way, whatever happens, we we know it, uh, Jesus Christ is Savior. No no political candidate is our Savior. Amen. We need to remember that. And no matter what comes, uh, it is ordained, and uh, the Lord is sovereign over that. And then we have to find our role and our place in it, whether things get really, really bad or things get better for a little while, either way, we need to understand that we need to be praying because in that, the Lord will begin to give us discernment. He will begin to give us wisdom. He will begin to strengthen our souls to face that which is to come upon uh, the earth and, and right here in our nation. And so this is what we're calling Lord Teach Us to Pray. And uh, I just want to share a couple of um, really brief things with you by way of introduction and, and the way our services are structured now are a little bit different and if you've been with us for a while you'll, you'll notice that we're going to be spending more time reading scripture, more time praying in the service, really trying to practice the discipline of prayer, um, more time worshiping through uh, song and so um, we're really excited to, uh, for the opportunity to be able to do that. As well, uh, after service every week uh, we have a table up here and we'll have either some, uh, some volunteers or some of our small group leaders that will be at the table. And the reason the table is here is just simply if you want to know more information about how you can um, participate in our season of prayer, you can ask them about that. We have prayer guides, uh, some, like a little bookmark you can stick, stick in your Bible that's very helpful to keep you on track, things to be praying for as, as an individual uh, through this time. We also have what we call prayer pledge cards. That's really just for you and the Lord to, you know, for you to be able to make a commitment to, to resolve to practice prayer on a, on a daily basis. Maybe it's a weekly commitment. Whatever it is that the Lord lays on your heart, we're giving those out as well for you to keep them on your refrigerator or on the, on the dashboard of your car or somewhere visible where it's just a reminder. Um, and so those are things that we are um, trying to provide for you that are going to help you through this time in the season of prayer. Another thing that I'm going to go ahead and mention this morning is this, is that we're going to begin to introduce fasting to our prayer life. And, you know, fasting is a lost discipline in the church. And, uh, you know, when I say fasting, all of us immediately think about food. And it is most definitely part of it. I think that many of us should be able to deny ourselves food for the purposes of prayer, not so that you can get on a weight loss program, <laughs> but for the purposes of prayer. And, and what happens when you give something up that you really love for the purposes of prayer, it shows God that you are serious about that. And if you're looking for a breakthrough in the life of a loved one, or maybe you're looking for a breakthrough of victory over bondage to sin, or whatever it may be, sometimes, and Jesus even tells us this, some uh, demonic oppression or some things are so strong, strongholds in our life are so difficult that they only can be broken through what? Fasting and prayer. Amen. So in other words, there are certain things that prayer in and of itself may not be enough at that moment. We need to introduce another level of spiritual um, maturity in our life, which fasting will most definitely do 
for all of us. And so I'll be, I'll be sharing some things about that over the weeks to come, about how we can begin incorporating fasting into your uh, daily prayer life, guys. And if you don't know anything about that, I, I recommend you do it. Start small. You don't have to do anything major, but just a little bit at a time will change your prayer life radically and dramatically. So we're interested in that. Also, uh, does anybody know we have a prayer room in the church? So if you were to go up those stairs right there, just in that hallway back behind the baptistry, we have a prayer room that's open for anybody and everybody at any time. It's got the Bible, it's got scriptures in there, it's got prayer guides in there. It's a beautiful one, one of my favorite places in this church. Take advantage of that. Do you know that we have two active prayer groups that are meeting right now? Monday here at 2 p.m., we have a prayer group that faithfully meets here for the purposes of prayer. And then on Tuesday night, if you can't do it during the day, Tuesday nights here at 6 p.m., we have prayer groups that meet here as well. You might need a prayer group. You might say, I want a prayer accountability partner, somebody that's going to covenant with prayer uh, uh, with me, covenant in the purposes of prayer with me to kind of help keep me on track and keep me accountable. Guys, all of these are just opportunities and and tools and different uh, options for you if God so leads you to grow in your prayer life, which is what I'm praying for. Amen? So all of those things are important, but I want to just share with you one passage of Scripture before we continue this morning. And it comes from Isaiah 61. I'm going to read it to you because this is perhaps maybe one of the clearest summaries of the ministry of Jesus Christ. He actually quotes it in the Gospel of Luke, but I'm going to go back to the original passage in Isaiah. And the reason I'm going to read this this morning is simply because of this. Last week, we dealt with some really heavy topics. We talked about sin and how sin is just always you know, separating, breaking fellowship with, with us between us and God and how it, it pollutes our hearts and contaminates and corrupts us and how God needs to break our heart over sin and how we really, we, as individuals, we need to get serious about our sin. And, and, and that's bad news when we have to really be forced to examine our hearts and see ourselves for who we really are and, and look at ourselves in the light of who God is and His holiness, guys. We are um, overwhelmed at the, the depth of our own depravity. And that's a very difficult thing. It's painful. When your heart is broken, it what? It hurts. That's why it's a broken heart. And so when our hearts are torn or or, uh, broken over sin, it's a painful process. So last week we really talked a lot about that. This week, however, we're going to talk about the healing. The wonderful healing of God's grace and mercy in our life to heal our heart. A broken heart, a contrite heart is what the Lord desires. So that he can then take our broken hearts and do what? And put them back together. And to heal them. And to restore us unto God. And that's what today's service is really going to be all about. It's going to be being restored unto God. Our hearts need to be healed after we do business with him and acknowledge our sins. So think about the ministry of Jesus. I'm going to read Isaiah 61 to you this morning. And I want you to hear the words of the Lord as we think about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And this is maybe perhaps the greatest summary of his ministry that I have in scripture. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Now that doesn't just necessarily mean economically poor. It's the same thing we read in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. He has sent me, listen, 
to bind up the brokenhearted. What a, what a promise. To proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. You see, we don't overlook the holiness and the wrath of God in light of the mercy and the grace of God. They, they go together at the cross. To comfort all who mourn. To console the mourners in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. And a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Amen? Amen. I want you to think about how deep and wide and long and true and perfect and unconditional the love of God is for you and for me. I want you to think for a moment before we sing our next song about how God pursues us, how we run away from Him, how we try to break away from Him to think that we know best or we know that we can make the best of our life or we have the power and the control and we're the captains of our own lives and the masters of our own destiny. And that's that independent, self-reliant spirit that we all will give into from time to time. And every time we break away from the Lord and we, we wander away from Him, we, turn, we come up to a crossroads in our life and guess who's waiting there for us? God. To lovingly and graciously say, here I am. Come back to me. And there we go again. And He comes back and does it all over again. The Lord pursues us with this amazing love that, guys, sometimes I cannot even begin to comprehend. I can't. And today we're going to really focus and emphasize on the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to continue to sing this morning. And so I just pray that as we pray right now, I'm asking you to really contemplate and to the best of your ability, I want you to try to comprehend the depth of God's love for you. The truth of how much He truly loves you and me and how He proved that by giving His own life on the cross for us. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, You are merciful and long-suffering. You are patient, not giving us what we deserve, Lord, but being so forever gracious. I want to thank You, Father, for sending Your Son and anointing Him to preach good news to us who are so poor in spirit. I want to thank You, Father, for sending Your Son to bind up our broken hearts to set us free from the grip of sin and of this world and of the devil, from evil and from the bondage, Lord, that keeps us in chains and and holds us back from truly walking in the freedom that You have called us to and that You have saved us and redeemed us, ransoming our lives by giving Your own life. Oh, Lord, you You are so amazing, Lord, that You would come to comfort all those who mourn. And so, Father, if we 
are here before you today and we are broken over sin and we are sorrowful with a godly sorrow and we truly desire, Lord, to turn away from our idolatry and our sinful ways. Lord, we know that you are there to receive us back unto yourself as we confess and we run to the cross and we understand that you, Lord Jesus, are faithful to forgive us of our sin and to receive us back unto yourself and restore us into a relationship God, where we were able to walk freely with you in joy and gladness because of who you are and what you have done. Father, may you continue to pour out your Spirit into our hearts today and forevermore. We pray this now in the wonderful name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. I'm going to ask Miss Teresa Fleece now to come up. She's going to share Psalm 51 with us. Hey, grab that. And this psalm goes right with what Marcus was talking about. This is when David had been confronted, if you remember, by the prophet Nathan. And um, he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had had her husband killed. And he was just coming to realize how very sinful he was. So he's coming with a broken heart before the Lord. Um, but we also see that he knows that the Lord can restore him. So it's hopeful and uh, convicting. So Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide my sin, my face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. My favorite verse. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from my blood, blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it to you. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight. Then you, de then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And we've also been talking about just praying Scripture back to the Lord. So we'll pray Psalm 51 now. Dear Heavenly Father. We love you, and we're glad that we can come before you to be cleansed. 
You are an incredibly compassionate God. You show us mercy that we don't do anything to deserve, dear Lord. Please have mercy on us and fully cleanse us from our sin. It is against you and your ways that we have sinned, Lord. You are pure and holy, and we are not. We have done what is evil in your sight, Lord. We are sinners, even from our very birth. Lord, you want truth and purity in our hearts in the deepest places, but we are sinful and dirty. Clean us thoroughly so that we will be pure. Blot out and erase all of our sin, Lord. Lord, create a new heart inside of me, inside each one of us. Renew our devotion to you and change our attitudes. Fill us with pure thoughts and holy desires. Bless us again with the joy that comes from being in a close relationship with you, Lord. Then we will, then we will teach others about your ways and about how merciful you are. We will sing your praises and honor you. Heavenly Father, we don't come before you with achievements or sacrifices. That is not what pleases you. You want a broken spirit, a broken heart. We come to you with broken hearts, aware of our sins and broken by them. Please cleanse us and restore us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you thankful that Jesus has paid it all? Let's stand and worship. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Shall the weakness watch and pray, Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow.
stain He washed in white as snow In sin had left a crimson stain He washed in white as snow He washed in white as snow He washed in white as snow this out. No praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. together as a body of believers from Isaiah 66, just verses 1 and 2. I encourage you to read aloud. There's, there's power in words. Amen? Amen? Let's read the Word of God together. It says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Praise God. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the love I've ever found comes like a flood comes flowing down and at the cost at the cost I surrender my life I'm in all of you I'm in all of you where you love my sin washed white, I owe all to you, I owe all to you. 
there's a place where sin and shame are powerless. Hallelujah. Where my heart has peace with God and forgiveness. Where all the love for that worship team. I'm going to be reading from the Sermon on the Mount, um, Matthew 5, 1 through 11. I love this passage personally, and um, what I love about it is in, back in these days when the teacher would sit down and get ready to teach, that meant it was time to get ready to listen. So we'll read the first 11 uh, verses of Matthew 5. After seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opens his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And I thought about this this morning. If you go to the end of the sermon, which would be verse 7, 28 and 29, this is what it says. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the authority. Lord, we thank you that you're King of kings, Lord of lords, sovereign over all things, Lord. And as we, as we look at our troubled world, we're astonished at what's going on around us. But Lord, you have never left the throne. Lord, you're seated at the high, at the exalted right hand of the Father, Lord constantly making intercession for us lord we praise praise you for that we thank you for that lord lord as we looked at these verses this morning some of these things the world might say how are you blessed when you're poor in spirit you're mourning and how are you blessed when you're meek but lord we just pray this morning that as we look at this poor as, as being poor in spirit lord we can do absolutely nothing of eternal value without you we're spiritually bankrupt without you in our lives lord we we pray that we will mourn over the sin that's in our lives lord because the bible tells us that god godly sorrow leads to repentance lord we just we just thank you for that and lord we we pray for meekness that doesn't mean weak lord it means that you're under the supreme self-control of the holy spirit lord that's what we pray for this morning and lord we just thank you that in all things, we can trust you. As the days get darker, your light begins to shine brighter. Lord, that's what we pray, that we would be that light that dispels the darkness. And Lord, as persecution comes, and it most certainly will, Paul told Timothy, if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, it didn't say you might, maybe, it said you will suffer persecution. But then Paul also said, Timothy, join me in suffering. for Jesus Christ and Lord we know it's coming but Lord we know that we have a we have an inheritance in you if we know you personally that can't be it's undefiled it can't be stolen it can't fade away and it's reserved in heaven and you're holding it for us right now Lord so as we ask as as the days begin to get darker the Lord will trust you and know that you're all powerful and that Great is our reward in heaven, and that we'll continue to, to spread your word no matter what. That we'll speak the truth, let the chips fall where they may, Lord. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.
How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He should give His only Son To make a wretch His scripture together and grateful to have such a, an amazing dedicated worship team that is faithful and uh, one of the things that I appreciate about our worship ministry here at Christ Church is that truly servants who have a heart for God it's not pretense, it's not performance um, we, our desire truly is to lift up the name of Jesus and worship Him and, and that He would get all the glory and I'm telling you guys it that's not as common as, as you would think. I'll just put it to you that way. Um, so grateful for, for that as well. And for our, our team in the back and everybody that works back there, I can't say enough. And Tommy and Bill and 
Bellman's back there today. I mean, we just we couldn't couldn't do it without all these guys. And I just I'm I'm so blessed uh, to be able to work with such an amazing team. So I just want to share a couple of things this morning that I maybe hope we'll be able to reaffirm everything that we've already read and prayed and, and sung together. And that, more than anything else, is going to begin with, with God's mercy. And I just want to take a minute to talk about God's mercy. As, as Teresa read Psalm 51 just a few moments ago, the, the famous or infamous Psalm of David, as we know, the very first thing he says is what? Have mercy on me, O God. One of the things I feel like is a, a disadvantage to our generation is that somewhere along the way we, we kind of created this image of God in our mind as the big man upstairs or our buddy that we hang out with, the friend that is always there for us. And although I understand the sentiment when we talk about God in such a way is that one of the things that we have lost overwhelmingly within the church and the body of Christ is a is a reaffirmation of the holiness of who God is. God is holy and pure and righteous and just. He is unlike anyone else in that regard. And his, the Scriptures would say that His eyes are too pure to even to even look upon sin, and He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. And because we have abandoned this, this character of God, this characteristic of God, one of His most essential attributes that we acknowledge in the Scriptures is that we have lost the grasp for His mercy. Because by definition, mercy is that we do not get what we deserve. But if you don't have any grasp or concept of what we deserve as sinners who stand before a holy God and who will give an account to that holy God, then we lose the understanding, we lose the comprehension of mercy because there's three words every believer should most definitely know. We must know what justice is, that which we get what we deserve, that's justice. We need to know what mercy is, that we don't get what we deserve. Thank you, Lord. And then what? Grace. Which is what we get, that which we do not deserve. Thank you, Lord. And in Christ, God fulfills all three. I'm a little skeptical sometimes when I read these stories and these books and these Hallmark movies about somebody who died and went to heaven and hung out with Jesus for a while and they had this great time and they came back to earth to tell all about it. And I'm not saying I can't discount their experience. I'm not calling them liars or anything like that. But all I know is that I can, I can only reference to what I read in the what? In the scripture, and every single time a person has any, an encounter with the living God in the Bible, they fall over like dead men. They can't even move. I think about Isaiah who was taken to the throne room of God, and the angels around the seraphim are saying, What? 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And immediately Isaiah says, I'm done for. Woe is me. I'm a ruined man. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. And every time we see a mere mortal, a sinner, enter into the presence of Almighty God in His holiness, we are undone. Because that's how holy He is. And if we were to get what we deserve, we would be immediately disintegrated just to be in the presence of His glory. And yet, here we have Psalm 51 where David says, Lord, don't give me what I deserve. Have mercy. God's mercy. Thank you, Lord. The scriptures sometimes call it loving kindness. But I want to just remind you this morning that there has to be what I call the great exchange take place in your life and in my life in order that we receive mercy and ultimately find grace. Now, on one hand, God shows mercy to all people. It's called the common grace, if you will, is that He causes the sun to shine on both the righteous and the what? The wicked. He pours out the rain upon the righteous, the good and the evil. And so people every day are living under the mercy of God because had, had, would God act according to His justice upon all of us, then we would all be judged and punished and we would die immediately and, be, and He would be just in doing so. Amen. However, He is merciful and He is patient and He does not want any to perish. He wants all to come, what? To Repentance. That's the God that we serve and that we love. But here's what, what happens to many of us is that we presume upon God's mercy. Well, I live the life however I wanted to live today. No lightning bolts, right? God didn't drop His hammer on me today. I lived however I wanted to live for the last two weeks, for the last two years, for the last 20 years. I've lived however I wanted to live with really no desire for God, really no desire to obey His Word, don't even really care what God has to say. I don't even know if there is a God, some might say. And so they're presuming day after day after day, presuming upon His what? His mercy. Taking advantage of the life that God has given them in order to use that life contrary to Him and His will and His Word. And God patiently allows us many times to do that for long periods of time because He does not desire any of us to perish. You see, God doesn't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't take pleasure in that. And that's why He allows us, hopefully with the opportunity that we have each and every day, for some of us to turn our lives back to Him, not to presume upon His mercy, another second of another day because the Scriptures would say today is the day of salvation. It's not something we're going to put off until tomorrow. It's not something that we're going to, you know, get 
right with God later in life. I got a lot of things I need to take care of first, Lord. You'll understand because then later in life, you know, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be buds later on, right? That's not the way that it works because we have lived long enough to know that tomorrow is not, it's not promised. Amen. And so let's talk about that great exchange for just one second. Because this is one of the greatest truths of all Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.21 It says, speaking of Jesus and His work for us on the cross, it says, God made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin. Okay? God made Him who knew no sin to become our righteousness so that in Him we might receive the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus Christ upon the cross took our what? Our sin. Willingly allowed God to punish Him for our sin, to take our place for sin, to become our substitute for sin. So even though He knew no sin, perfect in all of His ways, He became a sin offering, the sacrifice for sin on our behalf, so that in Him we might become what? The righteousness of God. And this is what happens, and this is very important, understanding God's mercy, is that the moment that we trust Jesus, we understand who He is and what He's done for us, and we put our faith in Him, that very moment God does something. He, he, he makes a great exchange. He takes the perfection and righteousness of Jesus Christ, and it's oftentimes portrayed in the Scriptures as clothing, as a linen garment, as robes of white righteousness. But He takes the righteousness of Jesus and He does what? He, he dresses us in it. Amen. He covers us. And He took our sin and He put it on who? On Jesus and He dealt with our sin there. Because God is just, and He can no, by, my, by no means leave the guilty unpunished, so He must punish our sin. And that's why the cross is an amazing instrument in the world, is because at the cross, there God's mercy and His justice met Amen. in the work and the person of Jesus Christ. So that when we do die, and our days are done here, and we do stand, listen now, in the presence of a holy God. We are not consumed. We're not disintegrated. Why? Because in Christ we have been clothed in His what? Righteousness. Amen. Guys, what I want to challenge you with this morning, and what I just shared with you is really it's, it's a doctrine we call justification that we're justified now before our holy God. So that no matter when we go, and no matter what day God calls us home, or whatever that may be, we don't know every day written for us is ordained for us in, the, in, uh, in, in God's book before one of them ever came to be. We understand all of us will face God, and we all will die. But no matter when that time comes, I want to make sure that you are prepared Amen. and that you have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's mercy. Now, when we continue to look briefly at David's prayer, he said, not only have mercy, but through the process of his confession and his desire to be restored unto God, David said this, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. He said, Create in me a clean heart 
O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A clean heart. As Scott read, said, Blessed are those who have a pure heart, for they shall what? See God. Now, what happens is that in our position in Christ, we are declared righteous. Okay, I want you to stay with me. This is important. That's our position. That's our legal standing with the Lord. In other words, if our name is called and we stand before the Lord at that moment, having been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ, we are no longer guilty, we are no longer condemned, we are received into the eternal home of heaven. That's what justification means. That's our position. Even now, when you're a believer, that's your position before the Lord. But there's something else called our condition. We still live in a fallen world. We still wrestle and fight with our sinful natures. And so conditionally, are we righteous? We're not. Unless you guys have figured out something that that I haven't. Because last time I checked, I I have to confess sin daily. Because in my condition, I'm still struggling and battling and fighting against Sin, which means that even though our position before God is holy and righteous and we're, we're no longer condemned and that we are secure in our salvation because of the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, all of that is, is so very certain and sure. We also struggle in our condition before God, which means that we still allow our hearts to become contaminated, defiled, unclean. When you read the Gospels and the ministry of Jesus, many times He ran upon spirits and they recall what kind of spirits? Unclean. Because they look for a place of defilement. They like to hang out around the garbage heaps of our hearts. And so when we allow our hearts to become polluted and, and, and sin to to dwell there and we don't deal accordingly with our sin and in our, in our sinful conditions before the Lord, we struggle in that and we're inviting, we're, we're actually inviting satanic opposition and satanic oppression and we're inviting the, the unclean spirits to operate in and giving them influence over our life. Now hear me, a believer in Jesus Christ cannot be possessed by an unclean or an evil spirit, but we most certainly can be oppressed. And influenced by. Amen. And it has to do with our what? Heart. Did you know that a lost person is not the most miserable person on earth? A lost person can be quite happy. Hunky-dory. Everything's good. Life is good. You know what the most miserable person on earth is? A child of God living in sin. Because if you're a child of God living in sin, you are most miserable. Our hearts need to be cleansed. I don't have my phone with me, but I was thinking about Pilgrim's Progress and the wonderful story and um, 
about Christian, and if any of you, any of you have ever read that, that book, it's one of the greatest Christian books ever written, but he, he carries a burden with him, and he finally comes to the foot of the cross at the story, it says, and as he came to the foot of the cross, it says, this burden just, just fell off, and it just rolled away down the hill into a grave and was buried, and he carried that burden no more. Amen. And some of us are in here today, and we've... We've held on to something or we don't believe God can forgive us from something or we're struggling with bondage to addiction or sin or an attitude of the heart or it's fear, whatever it may be. But all of us, many of us are in here today and we're, we have that burden and we're weighed down and we feel like we're paralyzed and things are heavy and we can't really walk in victory. And so what God is bidding us to do today is to come back to the foot of the cross, plead for mercy, confess sin and receive the forgiveness and the restoration. And He promises this. He says that when you confess your sin, He is faithful and He is just because of the cross to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness so you are set free from the guilt and set free from the shame. Amen. How many of us are are neglecting our ministry and our witness as Christians because we're still so unresolved in our life of sin before the Lord and it is hindering our ability to really be set free to serve the Lord freely. Guys, that's many of Christians that I hear about today and I see in the church today is that we are paralyzed and, and polluted by the sin in our heart and that's keeping us, holding us back. And that's why we're doing what we're doing here through this time of prayer. So we're asking the Lord Jesus to cleanse our hearts. And what will happen? Well, what did David say? He said, Lord, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Amen. And give me a willing spirit. Some of you may know James Hudson Taylor. Jay Hudson, he went by Hudson Taylor, one of the greatest missionaries to China the world's ever seen. Fascinating story if you ever read his story. And I'm going to finish on this right here because I want to encourage you in his testimony. He, he grew up in a godly family. His father had prayed for him before he was born. His mother was actually praying for him. She was away from the home as he was at home as a young man. And he was there by himself. Unbeknownst to him, his mother was away for on a holiday. She was praying for his salvation. He just happens to be messing around in his father's study. He picks up a gospel track. He had convinced himself that he couldn't be saved. And I can't be saved. He just, he just, it just didn't, it just wasn't going to happen for him. That's what he thought. And listen to what J. Hudson Taylor said. He said, I sat down to read the little book, believing indeed at that time that if there were any salvation, it was not for me. And with a distinct intention to put it away as soon as I could, I may say that it was not uncommon in those days to call conversion becoming serious. Stay with me. And judging by the faces of some of its professors, it appeared to be a very serious matter indeed. And what's he saying? In his day, when you look out at a Christian, they were very what? Serious. Oh, you know, stoic and serious. Everything's, you know, no, no laughter, no joy. 
Listen to what he said. He said, would it not be well if the people of God had always telltale faces showing the blessings and gladness of salvation so clearly that unconverted people might have to call them becoming joyful instead of becoming serious? I've been accused a time or two of being too serious. And I understand that's one of my downfalls. And I'm not talking about being silly, but I'm talking about a deep joy. And one of the benefits of confession and cleansing of the Holy Spirit is we, our, our hearts are purified and cleansed through our repentance and our confession and the forgiveness and the restoration and the reconciliation, the, the restored fellowship that we have with, with God. Guess what? One of the great benefits from that is that we are restored unto the what? The joy of our salvation. How many people would identify and characterize you as a person of joy? How many people in the unconverted world are attracted to what they see as Christ in you because of the overwhelming joy that is in your life? Or have we become too serious? My hope and prayer today is that we're going to pray and we're going to leave this altar open. Not for pretense, not that, you know, a lot of people get a little weird about coming to an altar and people are going to be looking at me. That's not, that's not what this is about, but it, it is always a place to come if you feel so led. But right there in your seat, you can kneel before God and you can do business with God. But listen, here's my, my prayer for you as we close. I do not want you to leave here today without having, make sure that your hearts are open and that you have been restored unto God through the cleansing power of the work of the cross of Jesus Christ and that you can walk out of here today with your joy restored. The joy of your salvation restored so that you are a Christian in a dark world. As Scott said so amazingly, when things get dark and they are extremely, increasingly dark, God's light will do what? Shine a little bit brighter. And when people are so full of hopelessness and suicidal despair, all of the spirit of of depression is just heavy right now upon our country. Maybe it's time that God's people exemplify a little bit of what? Joy. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so as we pray, we're going to sing. And I pray that wherever you are, you will just let God in. Just let Him have His way. Let him have his way with you today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to sing and you do business with the Lord right where you are. Heavenly Father, I think about the promise that Jesus gave us. He said, I give you joy not as the world gives. He says, my joy will be complete in you. And so, Father, we acknowledge today that many of us are bound and bitter and angry and scared and living in sin and we have we have wandered away from you and we have blocked you out of our life and lord that there is a missing in our life a a restoration a cleansing of our heart oh lord please take this time to cleanse our hearts as we confess sin before you at the mercy of god as your mercies are new all every morning 
And Father, I pray that you would restore the joy of your salvation unto us, that we would be overwhelmed at how amazing you are and how good you are and how gracious you are, that you would save a sinner, a wretch like me. And that that joy would be our strength in a world that is full of darkness and despair and discouragement. But God, we can't make it. We can't manufacture it. It's got to be a work that you do in us. And so we submit and surrender ourselves and our hearts to you today. And pray you would heal our broken hearts. For it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand together as we sing? Sing. 
Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was plowing the precious blood of Jesus Christ. tell you what, why, why don't you have a seat for just a moment? I, I hate to follow up such amazing uh, service and movement for the, of the Spirit, but I, I do have some very important things we need to cover. I've, I've learned over the years that it's sometimes better to share some important announcements at the end of the service because by the time you get them at the beginning, you've already what? You've probably, probably forgotten them already. So, um, A couple of very important things I want to bring to your attention before we dismiss today. First of all, um, for those of you who don't know who this stranger is up here leading worship, uh, that is our new student pastor, Cameron Ames, and uh, did a great job today. Of course, Cameron's been with us for a while now, but if you haven't been here in a while and you're just wondering, uh, Cameron is musically gifted, as you can tell, and so he's able to serve and help us out in our worship ministry. We're so thankful for that. And speaking of Cameron, uh, we're trying to do everything that we can to create um, opportunities for our students to have small group ministry. We think it's so important for our kids to get together in, on smaller groups, uh, especially around kids and their, their gender and their age. Right now we feel like Wednesday night is going to be our best opportunity to do that. Um, and so if you have a, a, a student, a child in student ministry, uh, and we're going to be moving up next Sunday, we'll talk about that in a minute. So any child going into from sixth grade up to uh, senior in high school will be part of our student ministry. And so Cameron needs to see you. If you are a parent, please stick around. Uh, you can hang out right here in the sanctuary if you want to. It will be a very brief meeting, but we just want to share some important details about some things coming up that you need to be aware of uh, as a parent. So please be here right after church to uh, stick around for a few minutes to meet with Cameron. All right, uh, this Wednesday... We're going to resume our uh, fellowship meals and our Wednesday night Bible studies and prayer groups. So we're very, very excited about that. Um, I, I don't know about you guys. If you've never joined us on a Wednesday night, I, first of all, the food is amazing. I mean, not that that's got to be the selling point, but we have Miss Connie Peterson. She helps out with cooking our food every week, and she just does an incredible job. You're, gonna, you're gonna, not going to get a better meal for the cost. So if you, you, know, if you want to come up here... Sign up, join us for a fellowship meal uh, here in the gym on Wednesday nights, and you can find a Bible study or a prayer group to be a part of, and it's, it's fantastic. We have children's activities, we have student activities going on, and so you guys be sure to sign up for that. Now, there are a couple of things to be mindful of that are going to be different. 
Um, welcome to COVID 2020. Um, we need you to sign up no later than 5 p.m. on Monday. How can you sign up? Good question. There are some little cards. Now, these are a little bit different than the envelopes you're used to, and the reason why is because we did have to make a couple of adjustments on our cost. Um, but still, it's an it's amazing deal for you or your family. You can fill out one of these cards to register your name and your family and drop them in the black boxes. Uh, you see Gary's got a few over there. There may be some in the chair backs in front of you. Mr. Jim's got some over there as well. So if you want to sign up that way, that's fine. The old-fashioned way, a lot of you call into the office and just let Patty know, hey, Patty, put us down for two, and we'll be there Wednesday night. Or you can go online, and we have a registration form on our website, ChristChurchMemphis.com. Just click on uh, Wednesday night dinners, Bartlett Campus, fill out your information. You can do it that way as well. But 5 p.m. Monday is the cutoff because we are having to be very specific about the amount of food that we're preparing and so things will be a little bit different on that. But don't, don't forget um, our Wednesday night deals. Also, Kids Quest is back on Wednesday night. All of our ladies' Bible studies, our men's Bible studies, prayer groups, all those things that are happening on Wednesday night, very important. Now, uh, next Sunday, big Sunday in the life of our church. First of all, it's a fifth Sunday, so we try to do what we call our fifth Sunday family worship. And we want there to be kids running around and babies crying, and we want all that. Because that's what a family is all about, right? It's like, so that, that's what it the, is supposed to be. It's like families come together. We're going to have it all in here. We're just going to get messy. We're going to sing. We're going to praise Jesus. We're going to teach our kids how to praise Jesus. And we're, that's part of what family worship is all about. So we're excited about that as always. It'll be a fantastic service. It is Move Up Sunday as well. So your students, if they're transitioning from a grade into a higher grade level, that next Sunday will be the time that they're going to officially transition to that next grade step. So be sure that you're aware of that. Miss Lynn Owen um, and uh, Cameron as well will, will give you more information on that. And then next Sunday afternoon, I want you to please, please carve out some time. We're going to have what's called a back-to-school bash. Um, Y'all realize this summer we didn't do any summer camp, no VBS. Everything was basically cancel right so we said we've got to do something to acknowledge the kids are going back to school and we want to have fun and celebrate send them back in a way that that we can you know um, honor them and celebrate them and so guys next Sunday after church we're going to have what's called a back to school bash we're going to have fun and games there'll be just some some music playing hot dogs and hamburgers slip and slide and water slides for all the kids but it's not just for kids, and that's the reason I'm telling you that is because we want our entire church to be welcome to come and participate. And you should have received an RSVP uh, through the email system, and if not, we're going to send some more out this week as well. So we do have an idea of how many people are going to attend, but we're excited about that. So, um, guys, I know there's probably more information here on your bulletin that you can check, but be sure to read your bulletins, and if you have any questions, let us know. Um, I know Terry and our crew from Jackson Avenue will be heading out here in just a minute as well. Amen. So that's a lot. A um, lot going on. That's good. I'm glad to have a lot of things going on. So we're going to pray. and I'm going to send you out uh, today with God's blessing over your life. Amen. Father, may the Lord bless this people, your church, and keep them. Lord, please cause your face to shine. Restore unto us that joy, the joy of your salvation. Be gracious to us, Lord. Have mercy on us and on those around us. 
Lord, we just pray you just lift up your blessing. Lift up your countenance, your face upon us, Lord, and give us peace in the midst of a, of a chaotic world and help us to go in that joy. And the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, oh Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Have a great day.